Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Do you hear that? It's gross. ASMR. You ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Born ready. You ready for ep three? As they say in the cribs, ep three, otherwise known as episode three. Trois, deux, trois. Très. Très. Onze, douze, treize. Eins, zwei, drei. Today. I'm good. How are you today? I'm okay. Haven't seen you in a while. How have you been? <laughs> uh, you're the first thing I see in the morning and the last thing I see at night. I know it's very romantic, it but is. you don't have to write me a poem. We are living together at the moment. Yeah, uh, we sure are. And it's been good. Yeah, it has. So far, so good. Because mm. uh, you've rolled your ankle. I have. In what I've described now as a WRI. Which is? A whiskey-related incident. <laughs> True. I have. And it sucks for anyone who's done it. Well, apparently quite a few. Didn't you go to the hospital in like a bucket load <laughs> of people coming in all with rolled ankles? I did. It was actually, it's actually quite common. The doctor said to me that um, actually while I was there, four other people came in with the same injury. Wow. That's what you get. A rolled it? ankle. And the guy next to me in the, when they take you to the back and you sit in your little cubicle in emergency, he was uh, Italian and he has had a, I spoke with accent. Uh, he said, uh, oh, sexy. Last night uh, I have the wine. <laughs> And uh, next minute, uh, I'm on the floor. <laughs> oh, you know, how old was he? Like, uh, like 30s oh. something. Well, he drank a little bit of yeah. matcha wine. He said that the wine was very good. It's a Chianti. But the food, not so good. No, and the floor is a little bit closer. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So anyway, but here we are. I still managed to, uh, you know, we're still. It's just the show must go on. Yeah, and I've been strapping. Well, I've strapped it twice. Twice now, um, strapped it too tightly mm-hmm. and made feel m- a lot more pain happen. <laughs> Last night we went out to do a birthday and on the, on the way home, not on the way home, but while we were out, you actually thought, oh, this is actually pretty good. I think I can walk on this. And you mm. did give it a good little I little, tried. little steps. Yeah, because I'm on crutches. Every single time I'd say, don't do that. You've just had a few drinks. <laughs> And you think you can walk on it. You can't. Yeah. Anyway, we got home. We strapped it up again. And then at about, what, three in the morning? Yeah, I woke up in excruciating pain because yeah. I had overstepped it. Yeah, it, swe- Lit- it swelled. Literally. It swelled up. Swa- swa- it got swollen. Mm. Uh, yeah, and it was very painful. So I ripped off your all your hard work. Yeah, look, no. But thanks. I'm anyway, glad you did. I uh, talk about thought I had angels. I thought I had corona last week. You did, but you don't. But I don't. I did a test. Hooray. The test is fine. And I got six days it took me to get 
my yeah. results, which I think at the moment is normal because of how busy we are or how naughty we are, I should say, in yes, Melbourne. Yes, in Melbourne. I know. So, you know, but it's all good. And we started in lockdown at midnight last night. We did, and here we are. But we can still record because we are special. Ain't nothing stopping us. Oh, sorry oh. about that. Ain't nothing stopping us. That's it. Um, so this is a podcast about women in history. It is indeed. About chicks, actually. Chickstry. Welcome, um, welcome to episode three. Who have we got this? Oh, hang on. Hang on. Before we get into that woman, haven't we got a new segment that we We organically just made up last segment? I mean, last doesn't even know about it. Our excuse me, our editor doesn't even know about it. Our editor slash producer doesn't even know about it. So he's going to get quite a surprise when he listens. Yeah. Well, we kind of did it last week, but we didn't give it an official title. But we're going to, as well as bringing you a chick from history. Yeah. We're very influenced by chicks. In the now. In the now. So each week we're going to do a chick in the now. We're just a little shout out. Chick in the now, wow. Chick in the now. Bow, wow. Woo. So last week we did Jamila Jamil. We did. We did. And that was just because she had posted something that was relevant to what we had been talking about. But we thought, let's do this every week. Yeah, just a little shout out to a woman, a chick in the now. Yeah. Yeah. That we think is a bit cool. And if you don't already know about her, you, you can maybe get start on, following her on yeah. Instagrams or yeah. the face faces or yeah. some things. I don't know. The face faces. The things on the The tickety tocks. Yeah, and the tock tocks. Before it gets banned. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so I wanted to tell everyone about um, the bird's papaya. Yes. I think you first got me onto the bird's papaya. I did. Well, I she actually found me. Oh, through the the, um, the way speech. speech that I did on I'm a Celebrity and she wrote me a beautiful yeah. message that I didn't read for maybe nine months. Wow. Because all my messages had already been read by the social, social media yeah. guy that had, was running my account while I was in the jungle. So I didn't actually see it. Yeah. So then when I did, I'd actually discovered her and went to message her and saw that there was already a message read from her. Right. To me. So I, you know, made my apologies and said, I think you're absolutely amazing. And she I cannot believe you know who I am. Yeah. So she, um, her name's Sarah Nicole Landry, but she goes by the Bird's Papaya. Um, she's on Instagram um, at the Bird's Papaya, as in P-A-P-A-Y-A. Yum, yum. Yum, Fruit. yum. Um, and she also has a podcast called the um, Papaya Podcast. But, um, yeah, she is just such an amazing woman. She is all about um, using social media as a journal to talk about um, self-worth and love of your body. And um, she lost a whole lot of weight and then had to deal with um, a lot of inner dialogue about discovering her value and what it meant to sort of be in the world um, as as a transformed person um, and just how she can empathise with other people's kind of journeys and struggles around self-identity and um, weight loss and just what we think is mm. normal Cause her on weight, Instagram. Her weight loss, as I, as, as I, the story as I know it of mm. hers, is that she lost a lot of weight. Well, not a lot, but on and off, on and off, and then a lot, and yeah. then 
Um, but she's struggled with massive eating disorders yes. and all the problems that go with diet culture. Mm-hmm. And she was never as unhappy as she was yeah. when she was really thin. Exactly. Um, but so, yeah, give it, give her a follow and um, you won't be disappointed. No, you won't. Her, she's her, lovely. Her picture, she's stunningly beautiful. Yeah. And she shows what she really looks like and she's mm. just beautiful. Mm. Yeah, and she's she went through a divorce, and that kind of was a catalyst for a lot of things changing mm. in her life. So she has a um, she's an advocate for like families who you know have to do the split parenting thing, yeah. and she's married another man who's adorable, oh, isn't he? And they've just announced that she's oh, pregnant. So I haven't seen yeah, that. Oh, that's so they're amazing. having a baby together. But anyway, it's just it's oh. a really good feel good, um, and she's smart, and she uses yes. a lot of science behind her opinions, which is a big thing for me. Like if you've got facts to back shit up, yeah, I'm listening. Well, funny you talk about facts, Evie, because that's a really good segue into um, today's... Woman? Chick? Chick. In history? In history. Who have we got today? Let me set the scene for you. Okay. The year is 1889 and on a cold New York Sunday night... A 25-year-old, Nellie Bly, has spent the whole day, like she did most Sundays, trying to think of a story that she'd present to her editor on the Monday. So she'd go in every Monday. She worked for the um, New York World newspaper who was owned by Joseph Pulitzer. And Pulitzer Prize. Yes. So she would uh, – Sunday nights she would toss and turn and think, I have to go – into my editor and and tell him this, you know, think of what I've come up with. And um, on this particular night she was coming up with no ideas and it was 3am, she was tossing and turning and she thinks to herself, God, I wish I was on the other side of the earth. And one idea followed after the other Mm -hmm. and at 9.40am on November the 14th, 1889, just with two days' notice, she boards the Augusta Victoria and begins a 40,000-kilometre journey around oh, the world. Oh, wow. Like, okay. So Nellie Bly was born uh, Elizabeth Jane Cochrane in 1864 in Pennsylvania, but later um, was better known for her pen name Nellie Bly. Nellie Bly. Look, is she related to Anna Bly? No. Is Anna Bly a politician in Australia <laughs> or is she on a note? I don't know. I'm going to Google that. All right, you Google that. So throughout her childhood, she was known as Pink or Pinky because she always wore pink. Oh. And as she grew up, she got a little bit older. She wanted to kind of be taken a little bit more seriously. So she dropped the nickname and um, she just wanted to be known as Elizabeth Cochran. She grew up in a oh. family. Um, she grew up on a farm. She's one of five siblings and she actually had ten step siblings as well as from well. her father's previous 15 marriage. 15 of them. Yes. 16. You include her. In 1879, she enrolled into university for just one term because she ran out of money and the family couldn't afford to um, keep her going mm, to university. So public schooling. And in 1880, the family moved to Pittsburgh um, and she'd always had an interest in um, women and the role that they played in society. So when she was 20, she was reading the local newspaper um, at the time and she came across a letter that someone had written in the newspaper called What Girls Are Good For. Oh, 
It will come as no surprise to learn that the answer mm. to this dude's question mm. was they're good for babies and household mm. duties. Yeah. Um, and he even talked about the whole um, Chinese policy of killing female babies yeah. and calling women monsters. Monsters? Yeah, called, Why? Us, called girls monsters. So uh, Nellie reads this and she feels uh, compelled to write a rebuttal. Um, And she's only 20 at the time, remember, but she's decided that this is not going to happen on my watch. So she writes a letter back to the Pittsburgh Dispatch, which is the the newspaper. So she writes the letter anonymously um, into the editor of the newspaper and he is so impressed with her writing skills that – the next day, he puts an ad in his own newspaper saying, if this is you, contact the paper. Um, so she ends up getting a job at the newspaper and um, she starts working as a journalist and oh, she wow. earns $5 a week. Wow, that's a lot. Men were being paid $2 a day. Okay, that's um, more. <laughs> <laughs> that's like You don't five. need a maths that's degree ten, to like know. $10 a week. That that's more. Um so it's in this job that she gets the pen name Nellie Bly and it sticks from, from there on in. Just so you know, I Googled it. Anna Bly it was a um, Queensland premier. Oh, that's right. She's all red. That's right. Um, so while she's at the Pittsburgh Dispatch, um, she starts writing some controversial articles around the lives of working women and she writes a series of investi- investigative it's articles. It's a hard word. God. She writes a series of investigative. Do it. Say it. Investigative. <laughs> she writes a series of investigative. 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 Invest- say it naturally. Investigative. <laughs> it's hard. Investigative. I can't do it. Investigative. <laughs> investigative. In de- investigative. 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 I bet you everyone listening now is in yeah. them in like saying it in their own head. Like You're all saying it, aren't you? Investigative. Investigative. Anyway, on, on women uh, factory work. She workers. investigated things, okay? Yeah. <laughs> she was a private investigator. Um, yeah, so at the time, so she was writing these articles and it's um, really important to remember this time women had no status in journalism mm. at all. So um, women were considered too sweet and not as accurate as men in journalism. So she was kind of going against the grain even then. Mm. The newspaper starts to receive complaints from the factories that she starts calling out. Right. And she's relegated back to women's pages to cover fashion and society, which oh. is where most women um, yeah. kind of were when, yeah. when it came to um, working for a newspaper or writing for a newspaper. Right, and about the baked goods. Although when she's 21, she travels to Mexico and she serves as a foreign correspondent, which was very unusual for a woman to do at the time. And she spends wow. nearly half a year in Mexico reporting on the lives and customs of the Mexican people. Wow. And she even protests about the imprisonment of a local journalist there. Wow. That's really impressive. I know. Isn't it? Yeah. She's 21. Where did she live, I wonder? I don't know. Who women ever? Um, the authorities hear that she, what she's doing and that she's protesting um, and they threaten to arrest her so she leaves Mexico and oh. says, I'm out of here. But when she gets back to the newspaper, she's reassigned back again to high teas and fashion and she ends up oh. giving her notice and yeah. um, goes to New York. To the Pulitzer paper? Wait for okay. it. Okay. <laughs> um, and the letter she leaves, it's like when she has to file her um 
her stories, she files it as that's her resignation. Um, She's pretending that's her story that she's filing. And it was literally like going and putting a piece of paper into her her in tray. And she said, and it was just one um, note that says, I'm off for New York. Look out for me. Bligh. 1885, America gets its first skyscraper when the tallest man-made structure ever built opens. Two years later, the Eiffel Tower will open, beating its record. Oh, wee wee. 1885, Thomas Edison invents the first ever movie in Menlo Park, New Jersey. Let's go to the cinema. 1887, as the Prohibition movement gained nationwide prevalence, a liquor-free drink was brewed. No, now as Coca-Cola. So she moves to New York, and New York at the time has 10 newspapers in circulation. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. And after months of searching for work, she goes to the New York world, which is the Pulitzer, um, Joseph Pulitzer. Pul- how do you say Pulitzer? Yeah, Pulitzer. Pulitzer. Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. Um, she won the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. So after after months of searching for it, she goes to the New York World, which is owned by Joseph Pulitzer, um, which specialised at the time in sensationalistic <gasps> and lurid stories. Scandals. Fake news. Women's Day. New ideas. Yes, exactly. It was the tabloid okay. of, of the time. Um, but it was also one of the most highly circulated newspapers of the day. Of course so, it was. It still is. So she decides to rock up to the offices and she presents an idea hoping that that's going to get her a job. And she says, look, um, what I'll do is I want to do, um, I want to travel to Europe and I want to report on what it's like being an immigrant who comes to America from Europe. And if you let me do this, I'll document it, I'll write up a, a story and, um, you know, let me let me do this. And the editor says, that's a great idea, but how about my idea? What's his idea? Why? His idea is that he wants her to do an expose on the insane asylums of the time and to write a report on what goes on behind closed doors. She's like, yep, yep, I can do that. I I can do it. I kind of like that She wants the job so badly that she will do anything to get the job. Um, And she starts thinking of a way to get herself committed. Well, just get her husband to sign her off. So, yeah, she was not married. Yeah. So um, what she decides to do is um, because she really wants to get do an undercover, you know, investigative. An expose. An expose. Yeah. So she goes to a a women's boarding house um, where she stays up all night and she said she had to give herself the wide-eyed look of a disturbed woman. And she begins making accusations that the other boarders are insane. <gasps> yeah, that's a dead giveaway. And it's also reported that she told the assistant matron that there are so many crazy people about and one can never tell what they will do. True. So after days of refusing to go to bed mm. and the other residents starting to become more and more scared of her, the police are called and she's taken to the courthouse and she's examined by a police officer, a judge and a doctor and she's taken to Blackwell Island. Oh, that doesn't sound very good. An island, number one, Yeah, Blackwell. So Blackwell housed 1,600 people and it had just 16 doctors on staff. 
So asylums at the time were considered curiosities and thrill seekers like Charles Dickens and others would re- would often visit them um, and they would love the thought that the people inside were mad or considered mad. Mm. So Bly quickly befriends uh, fellow inmates and they start revealing things to her about just the psychological and physical abuse that is taking place, mm. um, that patients are forced to take ice-cold baths and remain in wet clothes for hours. Oh. Um, they were forced to sit on still benches without speaking or moving for stints lasting 12 hours oh. or more. Some patients were tethered together with ropes and forced to pull carts around like mules. Food and sanitary conditions were horrific with rotten meat, mouldy stale bread and frequently contaminated water dished out. God, imagine how many people must have died. Ugh, it's just hideous. Those who complained or resisted were beaten and Bly even spoke of the threat of sexual violence. So she spends 10 days in the asylum until eventually she's released by a lawyer of the newspaper, gets her out, um, and she writes a story called 10 Days in a Madhouse Mm -hmm. and you can still read it today. Um, It's the first of its kind um, where it's an insider's expose of of what's taking place. So she's gone undercover. Um, And although she was criticised at the time because it was too sensationalised and subjective, Mm. she didn't care. She was only, she only cared about reporting the facts. And she's like, I'm not making any of this up. This all happens. This is what's happening, people. So I'm going to report, you know, report about it. So a month after her article is published... So amazing. A month after her articles are published, a grand jury panel visits the asylum because of her story and they investigate. And as a result of her article, the New York government offers an additional $1 million to care for the insane. So more staff. More staff, more money, more budget. A million dollars at that time. Can you imagine? Mm, That's a lot. It's a lot of money. It's like a billion dollars of this time. Yeah. So better facilities and... Yeah, all because of her article that she had done. It's incredible. Um, So she was one of the first women or the first woman to do what's known as stunt journalism. Um, It wasn't new, but it was new for a woman to do it because um, women didn't really want to be put into compromising situations. But she was like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll go stay in a, a mental asylum. And there's stories about how she's like, you know, worried that, like, when you try and convince someone that you're mad, it's very hard to, to convince, convince them, them that, that you're, you're not. not. Absolutely. So she really kind of was in there thinking, I've just bitten off a bit more than I yeah, can show. I may not get out of here. But anyway, she gets the job. Good. So bless her. That's amazing. Yeah, and during the time that she's at this New York World newspaper, she plays hundreds of roles. Um, she gets herself arrested for larceny. She becomes a chorus girl. Hang on. She, What's larceny? Uh, it's larceny. It's, I know um, arson is when you light fires. Is it money stealing? Larceny. Money. Google that. Yeah. Okay. If only there was a way we could find out. <laughs> Siri, what's larceny? Hey Siri, what's larceny? Larceny is a crime involving the unlawful taking or theft of the personal property of another person or business. Theft. Yeah, so it's just so theft. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, We're doing a podcast. Shush, shush. So, yeah, so she plays all of these roles. She plays the wife of a doctor who tries to bribe someone on a patent 
patent board. Wow. Um, and she is, even does an expose on the underground baby trade, pretending that she has a baby for sale. Oh, my God. And Black market children. Uh-huh. And she even says that what she has is a girl and she's not offered very Any much money. money. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's awful. But her biggest stunt comes in 1889 when on a Monday she goes into her editor's office and she says, I've got an idea. She wants to circumnavigate the world alone and she wants to beat the fictitious record set. Fictitious? By the character Phileas Fogg in the book Jules Verne's Around the World in 80 Days. days. I was going to say, yep, that's that one. So, right, so everyone thinks that's an actual record. Do they? Or she just wants to beat it? She just wants to beat it. Okay, no one actually she thinks knows, it's a record. No, she, it's, yeah, it's fictitious. She knows it's, it's not. Is it achievable? Real? Well, we're about to find out. Mm. So she, her editor says, yep, do it. Go for it. See you next Tuesday. Totes. <laughs> when you get back. So she packs one bag. She Is goes to the dressmakers that day and she gets one dress made. Is that enough? Turns out it is. Um, okay. she, she has a coat on. She does many layers. She packs cold cream. Oh, you do need cold cream. And her writing instruments. I've just, I think cold cream's making a comeback because. I don't think it's gone anywhere, has it? Well, I just keep seeing these like people on the I put the cold gram cream on every night. Using cold cream as a mask, like yeah. on your face. Yeah, to go to bed with. Do you d- yeah. yeah. But cold cream's just like moisturiser. It is. Yeah. It is. It's just like Nivea. Yeah, I use Sorbeline. You just put it on and, and it absorbs overnight. It's amazing. Did you just say absorbs overnight? <laughs> no. Okay, so she's packed. Yep. At the same time, you wouldn't believe it. Tell me. A New York newspaper, The Cosmopolitan, oh. sponsored its own reporter, Elizabeth <gasps> Bisland. Another woman. To beat the time of both Phileas Fogg and Bly. Bisland would travel the opposite way around the world, starting on the same day as Bly did. Mm. So they're it's like, a race of the women. It's a race. <laughs> so she travels by steamships and rail and even a donkey. Mm. And she goes. You're looking at me like that's weird. Mm. And she of goes. She, does. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't bloody take a Qantas yeah, red eye. She doesn't drive a Porsche. Of course she's driving a donkey. She's riding a donkey at some point. Okay, now this is her journey. New York to England, England to France. When she's in France, she meets the author of 80 Days Around the World, Jules Verne, and he's like, well, I just I don't know if you're going to be able to do this. Phileas I did, but I don't know if a we'll woman see. can. We'll see. Phileas did, but he didn't really exist. She goes to uh, Brindisi. Brindisi? You just made that up. Where is that? Well, it's near Bandisi's house. <laughs> It's Brindisi. in Italy. It's oh, in Italy. Yeah. That sounds... So she goes France to Italy. Then she goes to the Suez Canal. Do you know where that is? Yes, the Suez is in Egypt. Correct. Oh, I just guessed that. Then she goes from Egypt to Colombo. That's in uh, Sri Lanka. Yes. I love Colombo. Have you looked at my notes? No. But I really want to go to Colombo because that's where, you know, Lisa Spunner had her 40th. Oh, beautiful. And they hired 
a an island. Oh, it was cheap as cheap. Sri Lanka is, I've and heard, they had their own like amazing. staff. Yes. Incredible. Incredible. We should do this sometime. Okay, let's do it. Put it on the list. When we turn 40, let's do it. Um, Sri Lanka to Penang in Malaysia. Sorry. Malaysia. Malaysia to Singapore. Singapore. Singapore to Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Hong Kong to, to Japan. Well, that's Japan. You've got to give me some cities. It's, it only is telling me we, the place. That, that's the... Tokyo, then. Sorry. Um, and then she arrives back in New Jersey on the 25th of January, 1890 at 3.51pm. How many days later, Evie Jones? 72. Yes. You're kidding. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm not. You have looked at my notes. I swear on Susan Beryl's grave. Are you kidding? I am not kidding. <laughs> Correct. Are you kidding? <laughs> 70, what did I'm I even say? Kidding. 72. 72. And what was the other guy? 80, the fictitious one. Yeah, 80 days. Yeah, so she's, she's done it. Shit. She's, she's done it. Badass. So nothing much is reported while she's away because um, she can send telegrams back and the editor starts thinking, oh, this is a bad idea. Like she's been gone for 72 days and we're not, we're not getting anything Any stories, and no right. stories are coming out of it. So they decide to start a guessing competition and it's the Nellie Bly guessing match and readers were asked to estimate Bly's arrival time to the second and the grand prize is a free trip to Europe um, with all expenses paid. I would win that. They get an overwhelming response. Do I get a prize for what I just did? Yeah. Um, Here's some hand sanitizer. Thank you. So isn't that incredible? She's on her own. She's on her. There's there's times when um, because there's actually a book. She's written a book, and I've I've started listening to the audio book of it. It's incredible. So she's she written a book in while, her, while doing it. Yeah, yeah. while doing it, or or took you know journals and then wrote it, you know wrote it later. But she talks about going to all of these countries, and some countries she wasn't allowed to travel alone. So she had to have an escort or yeah. a, a guy to go with her. Um, but for the majority of it where she could, she was on her own and she was on these ships, massive ships where she was getting seasick mm. and just like, you know, in her one little dress and her one little bag. She would have stank. And off she goes. She would have been vomiting on herself. She's only got one dress, but she's a trooper. How courageous is oh that? My, I don't know many people that could do that. Mm. Even now doing that would be frightening, to do that on your own. Absolutely. To go, I'm going to travel the world. Oh, my God. You've travelled on your own. All of the continents. Yeah, I have. I went to Italy on my own for a month. But it's not, it's, I mean, you have your good moments and you, you know, it's very lonely. I I travelled on my own to Holland, Mm. France, Switzerland, and then the UK, and it was it was one of the hardest things I've ever done because of the yeah, loneliness. It because is. of how much you have to put you keep putting yourself into situations every day mm-hmm. that you can't just say, Can you ask today? Can you do it today? Yeah, because you've got to do it all the time. That's that's exactly time. what I thought. And you have nothing you have no one to bounce off. You know when you travel with someone, you're yeah. like, Do you reckon we should go to that thing today or yeah. should we do that? Should we go east should or should we, we go west? Yeah, like what do you reckon? Do you yeah. think we should? You have no one to bounce those decisions off. So you are making decisions every yeah. 
five minutes. Yeah, but it's it does tiring. make you speak to so many yeah, people that you would, wouldn't speak to, yeah. so many more people that you wouldn't speak to yes. had you have someone to bounce things off. Yeah. So later on in life she gets married. She's 31 when she gets married, which is old. quite old for the That's time. old for now. Yep. And she marries a millionaire manufacturer called Robert Seaman. <laughs> Nice. And guess how old Robert is? I'm going to say 63. 73. I w- if you had gotten that then, I just I would have yeah. upturned this yeah, table. I like, know. I'm going to say again instead 73. Yeah, no. Uh, so she's 31, he's 73. Wow, she's quite mm-hmm. uh, And due to her husband's failing health, she leaves journalism. Oh, and looks yeah. after him, helps him go. Yep, and she starts working at his ironclad manufacturing company. Siemens which, Brothers. <laughs> which makes ironclad manufacturing and co. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, which uh, makes steel containers such as milk cans and boilers. Milk cans? Mm, milk cans and boilers. What's a milk can? Oh, a like milk a big can. milk can that you yeah. put the milk in from the cow. Yeah. And you send it off to the dairy. I guess, yeah. Right. And in uh, 1904, uh, hubby dies mm. and she is then responsible for the management of the factory. And well, She the... couldn't do it. She didn't do anything. So she, she builds a gymnasium, a library and a recreation centre for the workers in this factory. Oh, my God. She's the original Red Bull. Google. Google. Facebooks. Yeah. yeah. It's like it, uh, everyone wants to work at bloody clad manufacturing and co. People are coming in on their skateboards to Siemens. Totally. And she was also an inventor in her own right. She received two patents, uh, one for a milk can that she invented and one for a stacking garbage can. A stacking garbage can. I mean, if this woman hasn't done enough. She sounds like Thelma from last week. She does. She does. Um and for a time, she became one of the leading women industrialists in mm. the United States. Um, but unfortunately, like all good stories, there's a ba ba ba. She's not very good with the books, and the business ends up going bankrupt, and she loses everything. Bloody so hell, she goes Millie. back to reporting, um, and she goes on to write stories. I bet she was ripped off by the bookkeeper. Well, she was the bookkeeper. No, I bet she wasn't. Oh, yeah. I bet she was running, managing like, it. Peaky Blinders someone, style. Yeah, and there was someone yeah. taking all that money. All that money. Peaky taking Blinders. Yeah. Um, we can't prove it. It can't prove it. But I bet it happened. I bet it happened. Peaky Blinders. Really it's it. a Peaky <laughs> Blinders. Neither do I. Uh, so she goes back to reporting. She writes on uh, Europe's Eastern Front during World War One. Wow. Yes, and she's one of the first w- uh, women, uh, one of the first foreigners to visit a war zone um, between Serbia and Austria at the time. So she's the first woman to be allowed in. Um, she's arrested at some point for being, she's mistaken for a British spy and she even covers the uh, woman suffrage procession in 1913. We talked about that last week. I know. So she was there. What goes around, comes around, goes around and around. What about if she was at Epsom? 
doesn't say that, but no, she, but she might probably have been. It was, was during 1913, and yep. it was at the biggest race of the this time. But get this: she writes a story called "Suffragists." Suffragists, suffragists yeah. are men's superiors. Where in her story she predicted that it wouldn't be until 1920 before women in the United States would be given the right to vote, and she was kind of right. Well, yeah, was it around then? No, it took another decade, but. She was right. The yeah. US were slow. Yeah, yeah. They were slow. Um, and now look at them. Now look at them. But let's not go there. <laughs> Model of a country. Oh. On January 27, 1922, Bly dies of pneumonia at St Mark's Hospital, New York City. She's aged just 57. That's very young. Uh, and then, yeah, in 1998, she's inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. Wow. She was uh, one of four journalists honoured with a US postage stamp. Mm-hmm. Oh, a, in a yeah. woman in journalism. Did you know that you have to be dead? Yes. To be on a post stamp in America? Yes, you do. Where we learnt that playing a game, yeah. I remember. Um, Did you know that? Does anyone know that? Anyone out there? <laughs> and she even had a Google Doodle made after her on her 151st birthday. I love how Google does that. Yeah. And that's the story of Nellie Bly. Nellie Bly. An amazing. Elizabeth Cochran. Undercover journalist mm. of the time willing to go there she for the there. story. She went lots of places yep. too. Incredible. Imagine what her mental health must have been like. She is a strong, strong woman. She sounds strong. Yeah. She sounds like she can take on yeah. anything. Wow. Well, I salute you, Nellie Bly. We do. We take our caps off yep. to you. You are a, a, officially a chick I'm going to go to the toilet. I might even get up to do it. <laughs> <laughs> week we uh, read out a little email that we've received yes. from a wonderful person yep. um, that follows our socials. Quick shout out. And we love these little emails. They're quite mm. great. Last week we heard about Thelma from Clunes yep. who blew us away. Yep. This is just a little shout out, this one, about a woman that sent us an email mm. about herself. And her name's yes. Belle Fuller. And in 2005 in Canberra with a guy called Matthew Baker Johnson... They started a tiny office at ANU. Do you know what ANU? People who are known by their three names. Who doesn't? Evie Justice Jones, Stelliano. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you know what the ANU is? Australian University. Yeah, National National University. Not natural. National. National. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She started. They started a tiny office at the ANU to help those struggling with their sexuality. Oh, bless. Yeah. They opened a joint partnership collectively named the Gay and Lesbian Liaison Officers Canberra. When was this? Two thousand and five. Love it. And like started back then. So they were actually recognised in Canberra by the Minister of Education Bill Stefaniak. Stefanovic. Carl's brother. No. And Kate Carnell. And then she went on to run workshops in Melbourne and Canberra on how to effectively manage sexuality in the workplace. Wow. Yeah, and it was then adopted by the Federal Police and later the Victorian Police. Are you kidding? I'm not. So that's incredible. That's a little shout out to Belinda Fuller. I just got goosebumps Fuller. at that. That's amazing. Yeah, good on you, Belle. 
really proud of you. Something yeah. Sure, you would be very proud of yourself. Um, and I think that your parents would be very proud. They I think be. everyone, it's safe to say, everyone should be proud of Belle. Absolutely. Yes. That's great because I think um, you, I mean, these are the things that you don't get taught if you're, you know, going to university and then you go into the workplace or whatever. It's hard to know how to deal, like not deal, you shouldn't be dealing with those things, but just how to carry yourself in an environment of diversity. Yes. Well, especially since there is diversity now, there actually never used to be diversity. So it was just you were a man or a woman. Yes. And you were straight. Yeah. Or in the closet. Yeah. And you never spoke about it. Yes. Sexuality. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, there were times that we're living in now are incredible. And I think Belle may have had something to do with us moving forward in this country yeah. to be able to include that kind of diversity yeah. and inclusivity. In the police force. Like, Absolutely. That's incredible that they've taken on that program. Her and Matthew Johnson Baker. Oh, good on you, Belle. Should See, be really proud that's of that's all themselves. we need. Yeah. A- Awesome yep. little story like that yep. because you deserve a bloody shout out. Yep. You know what you are? You are a chick in history. You are. That's this week's episode. We're done. And I have to st- oh, what? to stop singing words. It's okay. It's okay. Lots of people do it. You're one of do them. Do they? <laughs> Tell me who. Because um, I've been living with musical. Evie lately. I've been on the TikTok and I am addicted, it's safe to say. but Because um, you've been living with me, you're addicted no, to the TikTok. No, 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 no. I'm no, sorry, no, but no. that happened way before you moved in with me. <laughs> Let me start this again. Okay. I'm addicted to TikTok. And since I've been living with Evie, I find myself just walking around the house starting to sing TikTok songs. Yeah. like Or doing um, dance moves. I don't understand. I don't understand. What's the dog I one? Under, um, can I pat your dog? Can I pat your dog? <laughs> is it? Are you doing a Southern American accent? I don't know or what it is. An it's, Asian accent? No, it's it's nothing. It's undetermined. Oh, okay. Um, and then I get these songs in my head, and then we're sitting there like working together, and you'll just be like, I don't. Understand. <laughs> and you're like, where did I get this from? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a very affectable person. Is that a word? Affectable? Yeah. I. You can affect me really easily. Yeah. With- Are you like one of those people? I have went out with a boy once, mm. a boyfriend mm. who would talk, like if someone was talking with an accent, he would oh, start I, speaking. <laughs> I have called that something. Have you? Yeah. I've called it sad. Well, that's the acronym, sympathetic accent disorder. Yes. You start talking in their accent sympathetically as a a nice thing to do, not as a piss take. Yeah, but I think that if you had an accent, people would take that as a piss take. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. they do. Yeah. But there's people who do the accent or not even an accent. It can be an inflection or, It was the tiniest, most subtle. Yeah. And I didn't even, I mean, I... Knew him so well that I would go. You are doing yeah. that thing again. Like, yeah. don't talk to, it's like to people that talking to. Um, like that. When I worked in Chatswood, I used to watch white people saying to Chinese people, "Can I order?" Like that. Like yeah. they would, you That's know, and we're like, "Don't do that." Yeah, That's don't awkward. Do that. But 
I, I've had friends say to me, oh, my God, I can tell when you've been around your family because you talk like a bogan more. Oh, yeah. Like when I've been, especially with my Western Suburbs family. Oh, yeah. And um, there's also a new, like, um, I used to know a group of, like, kids down at San Susie. So I would talk to them like them. Like, I would talk to them while they were talking. Ooh. I would start talking to them like that too. And they never picked up on it. And I don't, I don't know why. I think it's just a sympathetic thing to do. It's it's a relatability thing. I just want to feel that you I'm you that you feel I'm getting you. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. You mean. So that's the end of this this week's episode, is. which is can't, wonderful. We're up to number three. Can't wait for next week. So if you like us, please give us a rating higher than. Four. Yeah. And, and if you really like us, give us a review. Follow us, on the, follow us on the socials. We're on Instagram. Yes, we are at chickstree underscore podcast. Yeah. And you can email us at mychickstree at yep. gmail.com. That's the one. And email us just with a story like we just heard then from Belle, uh, if it's a story about you know, maybe something amazing you've done in history, yeah. a family member, yeah. or even if you know of a story. You might not know the person, but yeah. you know of a story. I was I went to school with this girl and her she used to talk about her great grandmother and blah yeah. blah 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 blah. Tell well, us not about even that. that. Just tell us you were on Instagram the other day and you something came up and you were like, Oh, I'm gonna research that. Because we, we're all chickstorians at the end of the day. We are chickstorians and this is Chickstreet. Chick Street.